0: Today is actually my first Father's Day. I got my, you know, little daughter back there, which I'm fired up about. <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was awesome this morning because my mom carried her in. She had a little card, you know, like tucked up into her hands, you know, at four and a half months, and it was just the sweetest thing of all time. And so, um, happy Father's Day. Uh, happy Juneteenth. You know, today's also Juneteenth. Um, you know, it's... Gosh, like the Emancipation Proclamation, and uh, you know, Juneteenth is celebrated because it was two years, two and a half years before you know, the news of the Emancipation Proclamation reached the whole United States. And so once it got to Texas in that day, and June 19th is the date they kind of put together there, uh, finally the whole, but imagine two, two two and a half years go by, and you didn't know that news, the good news that that was. Now, I I can't think of anything closer to Jesus' heart than the idea of setting the oppressed free. And so even that Luke 4, when he says, the Spirit is on me to, to, for for freedom, you know, for the prisoner, I mean, gosh, that's such a part of Jesus. heart heart, and it's, it's just great to be able to celebrate freedom and fathers today and all that, so it's a special day, um, and obviously, man, the spirit and what he's been doing, uh, the spirit, that, that's, those are his, his primary roles, and we're going to be continuing talking about that today. Um, I, I loved what Chase talked about last week, starting us off in the book of Acts. Um, we're talking about, you know, this is still post-Pentecost, so we, got, we had Pentecost a few weeks ago. Pentecost, the day that God's spirit was unleashed into the world. And uh, and we've been going through Acts, talking about, okay, who is the spirit? What is he? What are the acts, you know, of the spirits? Um, Not only then, but even today. And uh, and so I'm really excited about it. You know, what what does Jesus say, you know, when he talks about the spirit? John 6, he says, the spirit gives life. And he says, the flesh counts for Nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. You know, that word life right there. That word life is used a lot throughout the scriptures. Jesus talks about, you know, when he says, in him was life, right? And that life was the life of all mankind. When he says, man, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That word life is a really cool word and you know it says the spirit that's what his primary purpose is obviously from the first couple of pages of the script i am the way and the truth and the life and i had that life part and i was starting to study out what does that word life mean and as I started looking in that, at that word, it totally blew my mind. And I, I actually had never kind of seen it broken down um, in the way that I started researching and seeing. And so I wanted to share a little bit of those findings with you today that's totally inspired me and has kind of opened my eyes to, to some new things about who God is and what Jesus says when he says, I came to bring life. Now, in the New Testament, we're going to go into more of a a little classroom kind of time right now, right? So in the New Testament, we have three primary words for the word life. The first one is the word bios, okay, or bios, and, and I'm not, you know... Gonna, I could try to do it in the Greek accent and my tongue doesn't work that way. Okay. So we're just going to do it in a good old American accent, you know, from, but, but it's bios or bios. It's where we get that idea of biology. It's only used a few times in the New Testament, used a lot other, you know, in, in the world around it at the time, but it's just kind of life in its basic form. Uh, translated livelihood a lot. Like the, the woman that came and gave her pennies, she gave out of her bios, you know, her bios is what it says. Gave out of her livelihood. So it uses that word. Another word that it uses a lot is the word uh, suke, you know, or what we might say is psyche, right? Where we get the word psychology. And this word is really rich, it's translated soul a lot. And it's more the idea of your life, but your life that consists more in your desires, your will, and your emotions. So it's kind of everything about who you are, your very soul. Like, and so it uses it in, in a bunch of really cool ways. Jesus says in Luke 9 whoever wants to save their psyche, their life, will lose it. But whoever loses their psyche for me will save it. That idea of your will, your desires, your emotions, who you are, if you try to save that for yourself, try to build that up for yourself, he says, man, you're gonna lose it. But if you save that for for me, you turn that thing into me, that's what it says, that you find it. John 10, I am the good shepherd and I laid down my psyche for the sheep. That's what Jesus says, which is pretty cool. Paul says something similar. He says, however, I consider my psyche worth nothing to me. Worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. So this word psyche is like really rich and it's, it's a really cool word. But what is the word that, that's used when it says the spirit gives life? When Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, it doesn't use the word bias. It doesn't use the word psyche. It uses this word, this word Zoe or Zoe. And this word has just like, it like blown my mind. It's been really cool. Here's a couple of ways that it's used. We already talked about a few of them. In him was Zoe. And that Zoe was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness hasn't even understood it. The darkness doesn't understand this kind of life, this kind of Zoe life. This word, you know, life, it actually means, I'll go back, it actually means this idea of divine life. Life that, like, the life that God has, that's what Zoe is, that's available to us. It's life that you can only get from Jesus, That is basically inaccessible outside of from God himself. The life from the very beginning that he wanted for us. That life. You know, the verb form when it says to live, to Zoe, it says to enjoy real life. Active, blessed, and endless in God's kingdom. You know, this word Zoe, uh, I like, you know, that, that movie Space Jam where it's like Michael's secret stuff. That's what this is right here. This is Jesus's secret stuff, the life force about him. Not just a better life, not just a better quality of life, but this life force about him that no one had ever seen. That, it, that is literally inaccessible to us outside of from the author of that Zoe. But he uses it a few other times, right? In John 10, that, you know, he came to bring us life to bring Zoe and Zoe to the full. Or John 5, it says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have Zoe. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have Zoe. You know, this kind of life you can't even find in the scriptures. You can't find just from being a biblical scholar and having all this kind of knowledge. This life only comes from Jesus only comes from hanging out with the author. Not just filling your mind with more religious things, but taking walks with the author himself. John 11 talks about, this is cool. It says, I am the resurrection and the Zoe. The one who believes in me will Zoe, even though they die. And whoever Zoe is, whoever lives that verb form by believing in me will never die. You know, psyche, biospecialism, those things are done away with in death. You know, it's amazing that we go without water for a few days and that bios dies. Like it's so weak, you know, in many ways. Or you think about that psyche. It's like, you can try to do your your own thing, kind of work on your own emotions, your own will, but eventually that stuff's gonna die. But it says, Zoe? Death can't even defeat Zoe. This life force about Jesus that even overcomes death. Death. Yeah. So cool. John 12, this is awesome. Jesus says he's no, he, he knows he's about to go to his death. And so he's talking about it. He's like, I'm not running away from it. I'm going right in the middle because I know that this thing can't be defeated by death. He says, anyone who loves their life, ready to look to this, their psyche will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their psyche in this world will keep it for what? For eternal Zoe. So you give up your psyche for Jesus. He replaces it with Zoe with this really cool life force about him. And this one is awesome, says <clears throat> John 7, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water, Zoe water, which is pretty cool, will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit. So, you know, Jesus says, man, with Psyche, you got to keep trying to sustain that yourself. you got to keep finding your own power to kind of sustain your own will and desires and what you want to do. He's like, with Zoe, you hang around me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you satisfied. I'm going to fill you up with that Zoe, with that living water that's not just for you, but it starts bubbling out of you and creating this, these waters of living water that's going to bless and create for those people around you. And it says, by this, he meant the spirit. You know, it talks about the spirit gives life. That's what the spirit does. Think about the tree of life, right? In Genesis 2, where it says there's the tree of life and the tree of knowing good and, and bad. He's like, I want you to eat from the tree of life and have my life, but you just gotta, there's gonna be decisions along the way that you gotta choose what, who you're gonna trust. And if you trust me, there's a tree of life waiting for you. What happens though is they, they forego the opportunity to get that tree of life. And then Jesus comes to say, no, I want to, I'm bringing it back. I want to give you guys access to it. And he actually sets up a whole new tree, right, on the cross. That becomes the tree of life. It's so rich, you know, this idea of, of life. And so, you know, our title today is going to be the Spirit of Zoe. If you're, if you're uh, you know, kind of grew up like when I did, you know, my sister told me you might have to call this Zoe, you know, 101. Okay, for those of you that love that show from back in the day. Do we have anybody named Zoe in the room at all today? If there's anybody named Zoe, I have a Chick-fil-A gift card for you, right? In in, in my Bible right here that you can have. If you're named Zoe, come talk to me. Now I see some hands going up, you know, from some people doing that, but uh, come get it from me. So, you know, when Jesus walked on this planet, there was something different about him. There was something different about him. Jesus was inspiring. People were like, we have never seen this before who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? People that were experts in the law said, this guy teaches like with authority. We've never seen anyone teach like this before. What gets someone that's been known to live a sinful life and come uh, like break into a Pharisee's house and throw herself at Jesus' feet, wash his feet with her hairs and her tears? What gets someone to do that? It's that Zoe. That's living inside of Jesus, that life force. You know, something I really believe is that, you know, life and that life force, that Zoe, is, is manifests itself most in courage. When you, you know someone's been around that life force, that Zoe, when you start seeing them making courageous decisions, when you start seeing boldness, about them. You think about the woman at the well. She hung out, had one conversation with Jesus. She was known. She was outcasted. She runs back into her town and tells the whole town about this guy. How about Zacchaeus that comes down out of a tree? A rich man that says, okay, I just had a conversation with Jesus. I was around the Zoe in that life force. Okay, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if there's been anybody I've cheated, I'm going to give them back four times, you know, what I owe them. You know, like the people were filled with this this courage when they were around him, this confidence from being around him. That's what that Zoe, that life force does, you know, to people when they're around them. I mean, think about Jesus, how courageous and bold he was. You know, there was King Herod. King Herod, you know, was one of the richest people to ever exist. They say Bill Gates would have mowed Herod's lawn, okay? Like in terms of how wealthy he was. People come to Jesus and say, hey man, Herod wants to kill you. He says, okay, you know, like Herod? He's like, go tell that fox. I'm going to keep on driving out demons. I'm going to keep healing people. And guess what? On the third day, I will reach my goal. I will reach my goal. Because guess what? I got this life inside of me. You could try to kill me. I ain't afraid of death like that. I'm not afraid of death. I know that Zoe's still going to live. Think about Jesus' followers throughout history. Thousands of people that have given up their lives for this guy that they were so filled with life that they said, I'm not afraid of death, willing to be martyred for the sake of, of, of the bringer and the author of life. You know, people are filled with courage when they're around this guy. To me, one of the greatest examples of that is Peter. Over in Acts chapter three, you know, picking up where Chase left off last week, Acts chapter 3, you know, there's this cool quote. I think people were drawn to Jesus, this movie, you know, Braveheart. William Wallace has something cool. He says, he's talking to his king. He says, your title gives you claim to the throne of your country, but people don't follow titles. They follow courage. And I think about with Jesus, people were so attracted to him, not even because he was a great teacher, not because he was super nice, but because there was a different spirit inside of him. A spirit of courage that people were were so drawn to. Acts chapter three, we know about Peter. Uh, Chase did a great job last week talking about, you know, Peter and John going up to this lame beggar, healing him, loving him. And, And they said, hey, silver or gold, I do not have. What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. This guy's healed. It says, people are astonished. All of a sudden, they got this guy hanging out with them. You know, they're walking, you know, hand in hand down to the down to the temple to pray, and uh, and and all of a sudden, a a large crowd starts gathering around them because they're like, I thought this guy, like, that's crazy. What just happened? And so Peter's like, Okay, here's a great opportunity to start start preaching. So in Acts chapter three, it says, while the man this this blind this uh, uh, lame beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you instead. And I love what Peter says here. You killed the author of Zoe, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. You know, I love this. Peter is standing right back in the temple courts and looks at everybody, says, You killed the author of Zoe. You killed the author of Zoe. He goes on to preach, goes on to talk about God raising him from the dead. People didn't like that a whole lot. So they throw him in prison. And they throw Peter and John in prison. And then they say, okay, they take him out of prison. They say, man, we need to ask these guys, <clears throat> ask these guys, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. And so it says the next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? So... Peter and John are brought before uh, all these powerful guys. It's basically if two high school students were to get up in front of the Supreme Court and Congress and start talking about political issues. They get up in front of these guys and, and they mention them, you know, by name. They mention this guy, Caiaphas. You know the last time that Peter was around Caiaphas? In Matthew chapter 26, it says when Jesus was arrested. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter follow them at a distance. Where was Peter before this? You know, maybe months before this. You know, where was, Peter, where was Jesus killed? He was killed in, in Jerusalem. You know, he was killed by the, he was handed over to the Romans by these same people. Jesus, Peter now has a second chance. He's right back there in front of Caiaphas, in front of the high priest, in front of the teachers and the elders of the people. He's right back there in Jerusalem. He's in the middle of the temple where he just healed somebody. They're, they're bringing him before him and saying, hey, what, by what name do you do this? Peter probably remembers. Last time people asked me, hey, you know the name of Jesus. You know that guy. Little girls coming up to him. You know who Jesus is. He's like, no, no, I don't know. I don't know who that guy is. He was afraid. He disowned Jesus three times. Sees Jesus in the eyes and weeps. That's where Peter was before this. And now he's back in that same place again. But Peter's different now. Peter's got something inside of him that's that's different. Peter's king had raised from the dead, had risen from the dead. That Zoe had been unleashed on the world. Peter had been filled with the spirits, the giver of Zoe. So Peter walks in there. He's a different guy now. He's not that same guy. He's got, he's got a life force about him now. He's got a life force about him now. So what does Peter do? They bring him before him. How does Peter respond? He says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the spirit of courage, the spirit of, of life, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. I love that. Because Peter doesn't say, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's Jesus that we did it. And kind of like runs away. He's like, hey, oh, you want to know? Hey, rulers and elders of the people, I want to make an announcement real quick. Gather around. He said, you know, if we're being called to an account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, I love that. You and, oh, yeah, all the people of Israel, come gather around. I want to tell you something. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then Peter, the unschooled guy, starts quoting scriptures to the experts in the law. He says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Peter's different now. Peter's different now. His king had risen from the dead. He's filled with life. He's not going in there scared. He's going in there saying, Hey, you want to know by what name? It's by the name of Jesus. And people looked at this, they're watching this. Wow, what do they what do they what do they respond? They said when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. You know, these guys are so astonished by Jesus's courage or by Peter's courage. Because why? They had never seen this courage before. This courage really didn't even exist until Jesus came and brought it. They had not seen and interacted with this life, this Zoe, this spirit before. That they see it, they're astonished. Like we don't even know what to to do with this. We can't even say anything about it because the product of it is is right in front of us. Doesn't it encourage you that Peter can be who he was, that he can follow at a distance and then be turned into this guy? You know, man, I think all of us, we kind of fall into these, all of us follow at a distance at different points. We would have been right there with Peter. Right there following at a distance. You know, fear is a universal human experience. My four and a half month old daughter experiences fear, you know, and she makes it clear, you know, when she's, when she's fearful. You're a hundred years old, you've, you've experienced fear. Fear is a universal human experience that we're all, we all face and we all make decisions out of. I think sin actually comes from fear, you know? So even fear is kind of one of the, one of the greatest things that we have to deal with, you know, in our in our human experience. That's why I think that, that command of do not be afraid is the most commanded phrase in the scriptures because he knows that life, like this, this world, this life is scary. This world is scary. Have you walked outside, you know, in a while and just kind of, just, I mean, man, there's so much to be afraid of. There's so much like scariness, you know, out there. That's why I think when Jesus came, he said, one of my main jobs is to fill people with courage is to be the coach of courage. And when people are around him, they, they're just filled with kind of a, a spirit of courage, you know, around them. But it's something that we all, that we all fear. You know, that word courage, actually, uh, it might be better translated in, in another way. Uh, it says, you know, freedom in speaking, unreserved in speech. I like this. It's free and fearless confidence, cheerful courage, boldness, Assurance. I really like that word confidence because to me, you can have like a, a moment of courage, but confidence kind of implies like a rootedness, a, a peace, a contentment, an assurance about you. And so when it says that Peter, man, they noticed his confidence. That's just really a really cool word. You know, the gospels only use that word one other time outside of John. John uses it a bunch. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's only in there once. And it's when basically... Jesus speaks courageously, speaks confidently to, uh, to Peter. It says, he, he, Jesus spoke about his death to Peter. What did Peter do? He rebuked him. Now Peter's the one getting up in confidence, in courage, and proclaiming Jesus' death and his resurrection. You know, confidence is something I feel like that we all, we all need. You know, where, where did, but where did Peter get with this confidence? He got it from being with Jesus. You know, there was a, there was a time, even on Father's Day, you know, it's, there's something special, like when your dad walks into the room, or when you're going somewhere with your dad, you're just kind of filled with, like, a a different kind of confidence. When I'm a little kid, you talk about how your dad could beat up other dads, and stuff like that, you know, and you're kind of battling your friends, but there's kind of a a confidence that comes when your dad is, is right there with you, you know. There was one time when, um, you know, my wife, Bree, was, was hiking in Bolivia, where her family lived, and she was hiking there, and, uh, you know, she actually ended up kind of slipping and falling off this cliff when she was in Bolivia, and basically being unconscious on the ground for, like, 20 minutes, kind of in this trail by herself. This is actually a picture of her uh, from that time. Sorry, Bree. I'll, I'll put it off there. She said I was okay. I could use that one. But anyway... So she's, she's got a broken wrist. Uh, she had, a, you know, cuts all over her face, probably a concussion and all this kind of stuff. She had to basically hitchhike her way home from this, from this, uh, this trail. She had to call a taxi by herself. And obviously the taxi driver's pulling in like, what, what happened? You know, like, you need to go to the hospital. She's like, no, just bring me to my dad because my dad's a doctor. Bring me to my dad. So she shows up at her house and knocks on the door and the door's locked and no one's home. And so she's actually kind of sitting on her porch, kind of waiting for some people to come home. And, uh, but then she's taken to her dad's clinic and she's sitting in her, in the, in her dad's clinic. And obviously you're just in total pain. And, but then once her dad walks into the room, it's like calm comes over your body. Not, not because her pain went away or because everything was healed, but because my helper is here. But because the guy that, that has what I need is here. And he's here to, he's, he's the expert in this. So he's going to help me, give me what I need. And that's to me so much of who God wants to be for us. You know that Psalm 23 when it's saying, man, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, the spirit, remember who he's called? The Advocates the counselor, the helper. You know, in this world, we, got, we have trouble. We have hardship. There's things that are going on that are scary. And Jesus isn't coming in and necessarily making all that stuff better and fixing it. But man, when we're with Jesus, what is one of his main roles with us is to comfort us, is to fill us with Zoe, fill us with life, fill us with the source of just of healing so that we can go back and face our, our challenges with courage, our helper, the guy that's gonna fill us with the right stuff. It's just, he's such an amazing father in that way. I really pray too that North River can be known as a place where fathers really thrive. You know, as a dad that's even coming into that stage, I just want, I hope North River is a beacon for fathers that are filled with Zoe you know, and that are filled with this life that's just courageous and there's courageous fatherhood going on. I pray that, you know, we can become that kind of place too. You know, where do we get all this? It's, it's honest, at the very end of the day, it comes with um, prayer. It's not, it's not really as super complicated. Where do we spend our time? How do, we, how do we get with Jesus? It's through our times in prayer. Acts three, where were they going? You know, before all this happened, they're going to the temple to pray they knew that that was a rock in their schedule that they needed is to be with the author of Zoe to get filled that way. What happens at the very end? You know, when they're, when they're done um, with all this and they're thrown in prison and <clears throat> come out of prison and they're like, hey, don't speak, you know, in that name for that name anymore. And they're like, okay, God's telling us to do it. You're telling us to do this. Who should we listen to? You know, it's like, and then they're released from prison. Where do they go? They go back to the community of believers it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And as they pray, they say, you know what Sherwin even mentioned before. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And he uses that same word for courage that they used before. First 31 after that says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. You know, prayer, those times with God. We've, we've had so many conversations over the years here, um, so many, you know, sermon series and, and things like that about how to connect, you know, with the Spirit. So, and so there's so many opportunities to, to connect, but it's just, just basically as simple as that, just presence with, with, with Jesus, being around him fills us with courage. You know, sometimes I feel like Sunday mornings for us are just to kind of fill us with courage, fill us with Zoe, and then go back out in the world and basically have that to carry with us. And I hope even today as, we, as we've looked at Peter and looked at Jesus and that we can feel that. It's just kind of a reminder of like, because you know, all of us, fear is, is, a, is a helpful signal about where you need Zoe in your life. And I think if, look at your life right now, because all of us I know are feeling anxious about something. There's fear in our life about something. We need courage about something in our life. And that might just be a great reminder, a great signal that you need to get out with Jesus, take some walks and hang out with the author of Zoe who wants to comfort you, wants to give you what you need. Hopefully that can be a reminder for that this morning. The last passage we'll read is just cool because it sums a lot of that up. Romans 8, Paul's talking about it again. It says, This is just a helpful promise. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, Zoe, to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And that spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, gives us courage and it gives us power, love and self-discipline. Won't we pray for our communion, and it will go on with the rest of our service? <clears throat> father, we uh, we're so grateful that uh, you are our shepherd, that you are our Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, on earth, as it is in heaven. God, we need your courage. We need your boldness. We need confidence. We need your spirit that gives us Zoe, that gives us life. Please fill us with your life, with that life force. Please make us bold, God. Make us courageous. We need it so bad. Help us to come into your presence, be filled with you. God, thank you that even as we take this, uh, this communion together, It's just kind of a a physical way that we take in your life into our bodies, your Zoe into our bodies that was given, given for us. Thank you so much that we get to do that every week, that we have an opportunity to hang with you whenever we want, every day. God, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus, the author of Zoe. In his name we pray, amen.